Okay, welcome to another episode of Sobol Sessions. Very excited to have Michelle Medor, the founder and principal of Transformation with us. Thanks for coming on, Michelle. Yeah, you're welcome. It's great to be here. Thanks. So I'm hoping, yeah, absolutely. So I'm hoping we can start off with a little bit about uh, you and your background. Sure. Um, well, um, for the past, well, since about 2005, I've been working in the uh, agile space. Um, and primarily started out working with agile transformations, which are you know, more organizational type transformations um, at, the, at the large scale with some pretty large companies. Um, and so I've you know, worked for numbers of consulting companies and um, you know, also created some practices within consulting companies and worked on my own as an independent. Um, and so, you know, really had a lot of experience working with different types of com companies, different industries, all really trying to um, evolve to a more agile state of being as an organization. So how do we move from more traditional um, hierarchical organizations to more um, agile where we can, you know, we, we can bring our products to market faster where we can compete we can innovate and so there's a you know there's a lot of movement in the agile transformation um space so what, what specifically about agile uh, excited you or what when did you decide oh i'm going to focus my career on the the concept of agile yeah that's a good question i i don't think it was ever like this conscious decision oh i'm going to go be an agilist i think i just kind of like a lot of people landed on it um, my prior to, to doing this work, I, I worked in the telecom industry for many, many years through all the acquisitions and mergers and, um, you know, was, was a leader in that space as well. And so I experienced the, the, the pain of, you know, trying to go through acquisitions and mergers, trying to lead organizations through change and through, um, you know, pretty big change when you when you're doing something like that. And so, the people part of that, the human aspect of that, um, from early on in life, really was my more passion and, and love. And where I thought, you know, we should place more focus because that's what I could see where the leverage was even early in my career. And so I began to think about you know mentoring my my people and really creating a different environment. Um, of more collaboration at that time and at some point i decided i'd kind of gotten burned out with um you know i had a very large organization i was responsible for and again it was just a really turbulent time in that in that industry so um i just kind of landed on an opportunity based on my you know my background and turns out it was in in a in a company that was do, doing um agile transformation so that's kind of how I got initially involved in it. But what I loved about it to to maybe to the point of the real point of the question is is what spoke to me. It's, you know, how do we make working um more like our our experiences in in real life and how do we make it more human and and uh, just being more authentic about what we're going through and the changes we're going through. Uh, and so just a quick clarifying question. When you say agile, do you separate it from agile in the terms of the software development method, methods? Yeah. Great question. So 
I think there's a lot of, of different interpretations of, of that word. So that is a great question. I do separate. So some people use agile with the big A, uh, you know, like it's a thing and agile transformation almost has become a bit of a buzzword. Lots of organizations don't know necessarily that they're trying to get to a state of agility with an agile transformation. There's still, I think, a lot of thinking out there that, set, that thinks that, hey, I'm doing an agile transformation, which means I'm bringing agile practices into my software um, delivery teams, and that's going to make me agile. Um, and so that's some of the thinking I've been trying to shift in the space for some time now. It's, are you truly looking for agility um, and, you know, lowercase a, and um, if you are, then that's more than just bringing some agile practices in at, you know, say the software team delivery level. Does that answer? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I think it tees up nicely to really what the, the theme of this podcast is, and you've probably already kind of hinted at it, and it probably has something to do with agile, but what do you define as the future of work. If someone comes up to you and you know says, Michelle, what is what is the future of work? Do you have a definition that you give to yeah. people? Yeah, I uh, well probably not a real or you know well articulated one sometimes in the moment. Um, I guess it depends on the conversation. But for me, um, it is really about um, agility. It's about how do we have more resilience, more innovation and um, more humanity in the workplace. How do, how do we create um, an environment where um, the people become the center focus? And um, you know, we have a, a transparent and open in, environment um, when we're going through change. And so to me, at agility is really all about getting good at the process of change, how we go through change. That's, it's kind of what it boils down to. How do we, how do we become an organization that can really go through change well, and um, and, and and maybe it's worth defining what change is because I think a lot of times when people think change, they think a like a reorganization, but I'm assuming that it it goes far beyond something that big. Yeah, um, for for the work I do, and I think what most people that I work with are thinking of is this is really a kind of shift in, you know, even the DNA of your organization. So we've got to shift the way we're working. We've got to, so, you know, I use an integral, uh, our framework is the integral agile transformation framework and just um, releasing a book uh, actually this week about that. And um, this framework talks about, you know, being able to attend to, you know, the mindset and leadership um, culture and relationships, um, your behaviors, your practices, you're using, you know, boundary spanning type practices and your systems and structures. So how do you, you know, how do you look at the, all of this from a holistic perspective and attend to all of that versus trying to install agile, like it's a thing you can just get by, um, you know, by implementing it. So in, in my field, I think more people are looking at this, like, a true transformational type change. Um, in the OD space, you you have change that's you know maybe just a, a procedural type change, or you're changing an existing process, or transitional. But you kind of know your end state, and you could project manage that. But 
this kind of change, this is truly transformational because it hits up against mindset and culture. And um, that's where the leverage is. It's, it's working with that. So kind of getting into the details of going through this change, is there thinking of like the Pareto principle or the 80, 20 rule, is there something, is there one thing that a person or a team can do that has an outsized effect on this road uh, to being an agile team? Uh, can you repeat that question again? Is there like, is what's there, the, what's the biggest, uh, specific thing you recommend to teams undergoing this change that they institute that has that most outsized effect? Like, is there one, one or two things yeah, that you've I, noticed? Yeah. And I, I, when you say teams, I guess I'm, it depends on if you're talking about teams in general at, at every level or any level of the organization you know, versus a traditional hierarchical type organization, which we work with a lot. But I think teams in general, whether they're leadership teams or any other team, it's um, really um, busting up, you know, the bureaucracy that exists and, and um, being able to imp truly empower people to make decisions um, where they need to be made. Um, when you're in a really, you know, bureaucratic organizations, the, the even the funding decisions are often fraught with, you know, political and hierarchical conflicts and competing for budgets rather than people acting as a whole for the greater, you know, win of the organization. So for me, one of the biggest things to do is boundary spanning, which is to work on those silos, um, the us versus them mentality and, you know, just really busting up the bureaucracy and make it more of a um, you know, new term these days, humanocracy, right? So how do we do that in a way um, that's, that's possible? Because if you're in an organization that's already very traditional, um, you can't just say, oh, well, you're empowered, go make decisions, and um, you're empowered at the lowest level. You know, you have to work on, okay, what's the existing culture and are people going to be safe to do that? So um, I really do think it's all about, you know, getting rid of that hierarchy and that bureaucracy and, and how do we do that? And that usually involves a lot of, of boundary spanning and leaders that are able to do that, you know, cross over different boundaries that exist in, in the organization that are really barriers to collaboration. Yeah, so that makes sense. It's if if a, a group or a leader is hiring you to come in and help make this change, they're ready and willing to make the change. So my concern over a barrier at the top level probably isn't there. But what what are the biggest barriers you see um, from other people within an organization who are hesitant to this change? Because I think yeah, I think like you said, it's easy for everybody to say, "Oh, I'd really enjoy." Uh, working with less bureaucracy, but I find it the the change isn't always that simple. What have what have you seen that's a barrier to getting that change um, wanted throughout the whole organization? Yeah, I think well, first of all, you know the, the human process of change, how people naturally either buy in or resist, and 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 understanding that that exists, and if if people don't understand the benefit for them or why we're doing this, or if you do it in a vacuum or if you push it down on people, um, then they become, they feel victim to it rather than a part of it. So, so how can we bring 
change of the co-creative process and in a really transparent way is super, super important um, so that people feel a part of creating that change and bringing their ideas, bringing, you know, bringing their experience and their wisdom to the table. And um, because no, that's the thing about um, the power of collective intelligence. When we tap into that, it's so much more powerful than, you know, top level people making decisions for the rest of the organization. Um, and mostly that's just because of their own need for control. So I think it's okay if you're going to say you're empowered and you can make these decisions, what does that mean? And, and how does that shift what we're used to already and what our culture already feels like? You know, and I'm working with organizations right now that are going through this. That's the message they're getting. We're going through this, you know, transformation to agility and we're saying you're empowered to make decisions. But then on the ground, people are like, okay, well, who's going to make this decision? So people are unclear about their roles, their responsibilities in that. Um, or people are saying, okay, if I'm empowered, then I make this decision and they kind of make it in a vacuum, not checking on impacts to other people. And it's not transparent. So then that has ripple effects. So there's just so much to, to really being able to, <laughs> to do that. Uh, not, you can't just say it and expect it's just going to happen that easily. Absolutely. And what do you say to the middle managers? Because I think the future of work is one where middle managers don't exist uh, or have a very less impactful role. So what do you say to them? Uh, yeah. Because I'm sure when they, this comes up, they're very concerned about what, what they're going to do or how they're going to be useful. They are. And see, that's what you're bringing up a very important point, Donnie. It's that you can't ignore this. You can't, you can't go into an organization and say, oh, we're going to work in this way oh, and by the way, it means that we don't really have middle managers, we don't really have project managers, or we don't have this role, because then you're hitting, you know, up against people's core basic need and need to, you know, belong and be a part of something. And it's, you know, it's, it's not addressing that, that, that very thing that will become a resist, a resistor to change. So what I say to middle managers, you know, honestly, what I've been doing with middle managers is coaching them to become more of a coach leader, right? Versus um, I'm here to tell you what to do, or I'm here to um, make all the rules and you follow them. But it's how do I move into a space um, as a coach and a guide and a support for, for those around me? And how do we all move into more of a co-creative place together where we really kind of begin to break down that feeling of hierarchy or I'm, you know, I'm above you because I've been here longer or whatever the case may be, I've done more. So it is an evolution in my mind. It's, it's definitely something that, that takes, um, it, it takes time and it takes conscious attention, conscious attention to these things. Do you ever have, have you ever gone into an organization and see that there actually won't be a need for middle managers and maybe there's needs a need for them to find other jobs within the organization because the organization wants to become so agile and so responsive that it's like an unnecessary level of bureaucracy? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So, so flattening out an organization, you know, not to the point where the only thing you believe in is it has to be a completely flat organization. Um, 
you know, you may have a CEO, you may have, you know, it's, you know, if you're thinking in a more teal kind of way of being, you're not adverse to someone taking a leadership role, but it's more in the, in the aspect of a role, right? I'm playing this role. I might play this role next time. And so I think, yeah, middle manager, that's the whole point is we're moving away from those traditional hierarchical structures to more cross boundary, cross organizational teams where we move in and out of teams according to our, our passion, according to our abilities and um, the needs that exist. And so how can you help middle managers realize their potential in being part of that type of environment and part of that type of, of structure where, hey, we're, we're crossing in, in many ways and, and taking on different roles and tapping into your, your intelligence and your wisdom and your experience. That makes sense. Uh, another question about a role in the typical organization, HR. How does HR fit into your future of work? Yeah. Um, so again, I, I, I really, when I've studied some of the organizations that have done this well, and I, and I don't think there are many out there. If you, if you read any books that exist on research on some of these organizations, there's not a whole lot of them. Um, but if I'm looking at the future of work as, as we're calling it, right. Um, well, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of being pushed there now because of COVID and, and, People that weren't willing to make changes are now making them out of a need, right? Um, I forgot your question now. Uh, what was your question, Don? About, about where HR. Well, HR. Yeah. So, again, I, I, I feel like that some of these existing roles can act as more support systems. So, how do we help people develop? So most of my work is around evolving people, evolving organizations, evolving teams. And I think if we're evolving as people, then we're recognizing that, hey, there's some development work that we want to do first. If we're going to transform organizations, we've got to look at ourselves to start. And so how can that role, again, let's, let's use roles instead of titles, that role that maybe HR plays now as a role in the system, we think of these as roles that belong to the system, not, not roles that belong to people. Um, how can we help people develop, truly develop, not, not just in a way of um, skill sets, but in a way of development as, as a person, you know, where it's true vertical development. How do I begin to be able to be in this new way of being because I have to shift my thinking or my underlying assumptions. So I think people that are, are good with, with you know that that are in HR may be good at that and good at um, tapping into their own um, experience with that or abilities to to maybe move into a new place they haven't moved into yet. Got it. Sometimes I see um, the role of HR coming into being a compliance function within the legal team, and a lot of those skills and about mentoring and. Um, assessing is done by the team as opposed to someone external to the team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think we all we're responsible for our own self, our own development. 
And if, if we were truly creating, if the future of work were here and we were truly in those teams, I guess I'm, I'm thinking about this as, a, as an evolution and how can we begin to move people into that way of thinking? What can I contribute based on my, my assets and my, um, and I'm not saying HR, you have no, you know, this person that's an HR person, you have no longer have a role in the system. What is the role they can play in the system based on their abilities, their passion, their desire? Um, and knowing that we're going to become a deliberately developmental organization. And we're doing that because we, we have passion around that as the people that are in the organization. Yeah, when I was um, a middle manager, the people on my team would come up and ask me, how, how, what should I work on? And I'd say, well, what do you want to work on? What do you, if you need me to answer that for you, I think we have bigger problems. But I think that's a lot of the time the traditional processes currently that I've seen, like they expect other people to tell them where they need to develop or what to focus on. Whereas yeah. I think that, I think no one, no one knows better than themselves what they're passionate about and what they want to do. And uh, no one knows how well the team is doing and performing better than the team itself as opposed to one person or someone on the outside. I totally outside. agree. I totally agree. That's why I think, you know, just being a support, being support for one another in that, you know, and there are, there are developmental, so there are different developmental tools that we use that are very helpful. Um, you know, one of them that I use is the leadership circle where it's, it is all about seeing how I show up and how I impact others and, you know, what is what is the way of being I want and how do I want to show up and what's you know what are what are the muscles or the capabilities or the you know capacities that I need to more fully generate in myself and embrace in myself to be able to show up in a way of being that is is more congruent with with um, you know with this way of working so that only comes from the individual and and it comes from feedback from other people as well I, I believe that because sometimes we have blind spots um to to our way of showing up if we're not highly self-aware awesome so to close this up we'd love to hear just a little bit more about um the book and where people can um reach out to you yeah so um the book is is called Agile Transformation, um, using the integral Agile Transformation framework to think and lead differently. And it is available on Amazon. The Kindle version is released, but the, um, the printed copy is, I guess, being released tomorrow is, is what Amazon is still saying. So you can get it on Amazon. And um, I'm really excited to be launching that and hoping that we can begin to continue to um, do this work because it, there's there's a part of this that that is also um, scaling this throughout our you know our own industry and in agile and being able to really become a mass group of people that can help people move to this future of work. It's gonna it's it's really gonna take a critical group of people that are passionate about ch this this type of, of change. And so I think the more people can get involved and, and learn about the future of work and use tools such as your tool, you know, Sobol, um, I think um, the more we're going to be able to scale this um, to meet what really needs to be met now rather than later in, in our world. 
Definitely. And I've been very open about saying that I, I think it's going to happen naturally because I, I don't think the TikTok generation's going to have the patience for bureaucracy or middle management. And they're already used to living in this open, more decentralized internet world. So I think, uh, I think it's going to ramp up and hopefully uh, the next generation will, that'll be just how they think about work is the way we're trying to make work. Oh yeah, totally. Completely. 100%. And actually many organizations cite that as their number one problem to solve is how are, how are we supposed to attract millennials and if they're not attracted to bureaucracy and hierarchy and they won't work for these type of organizations. So that is a, is a big deal for organizations. So I, I agree with you. It's naturally happening because so they're experiencing the problem because it's naturally happening. They're just, you know, they, they see a different way of working and it's like a no brainer to them. Like, why do you need all this training on this? This is normal. It should just be this way. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Well, Michelle, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you, Donnie. I'm really excited about your product and, um, you know, being involved with you on, on, on um, getting this, you know, really out to organizations and to be able to utilize this in a way that can help them, you know, spur this forward. Definitely. And uh, look forward to talking again, especially when we have uh, some successful uh, case studies with Syllable under our belts. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Donnie. Appreciate you. Thanks.